This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 384 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good, how are you? They're doing construction in our office. Oh, right above our heads, it's literally. An abject nightmare. Oh my god, I was editing this episode of this podcast, and as you'll hear in a second, it needed some special editing, and I thought I was going crazy. There's so many sounds over our heads, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just the pits. Yep. But that's okay. Um, you, you want to tell people what we did today? It was a pretty, <laughs> pretty cool thing. Yeah, we got to El- uh, interview Elvis Duran live and in person. Yeah, and he was so... He's like the most down-to-earth mm-hmm. big deal human being mm-hmm. you could possibly imagine um he walked in to the room that we like met him in beforehand and the first thing he did was congratulate us on our podcast <laughs> I, know. I was like what hold on okay that's backwards um but no, just like so many little things he was so genuine and he was nervous he was very nervous which was funny because as i joked with him 10 million people listen to the Elvis Duran show in the morning. And there were 500 people there at our show, which is amazing for mm-hmm. a library. But it's five, It's different. It's not 10 million people. Right. And he was like, well, I'm not in front of those 10 million people. Uh, and I think he's just not used to being the one being interviewed. Oh, yeah. Th- absolutely. That's the big thing, I think. And I was I was very proud of us that we... Because his um, someone who kind of works with him, who you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're... Your mutual friend. Which we have is a mutual amazing. friend. Yes, Elvis and I have a mutual friend. Uh, she told us afterwards. She's like, "Yeah, I'm so impressed that you guys were able to actually interview him and not, cause I, not like let him turn around on us." And there's a part of the beginning where he's like, "I'd rather interview you guys," and I was like, "No, <laughs> we are not doing that." <laughs> um, but no, he. It was so much fun. The audience was amazing. But like afterwards, he wasn't just like acting like he was nervous. Afterwards, he as we were all like off stage, he looked at us and he was like, "Did I do okay? Was that boring?" Yeah. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was amazing. Um, I want to say first off, I want to give a special thanks to ninety six five Kiss FM and iHeartRadio Cleveland uh, for the audio for this. Normally, what happens is we get the audio from the library they do recording for us. Their file was corrupted. So uh, 96.5, KISS FM, and iHeartRadio had a Facebook Live of the event, and thank goodness, because they were able to send us that video, and we pulled the audio from it. So, disclaimer, this sounds a little bit different than any of our other episodes. Um, Where they recorded the Facebook Live from was in the audience, makes sense because it was a video right uh so it sounds a little bit different so there's it might sound a little clippy in some places where i adjusted the audio because jill taught me how to edit it (laughs) properly i was like pulling my hair out this morning and when you got here i was like can you help me and you showed me a a tool um so it's a little loud in some places because the audience is like laughing because they're right there yeah um but then there's some other places where it's quiet. But as Jill pointed out, bonus, you can actually hear the audience questions for once. Also true. Um, also, it sort of jumps. They started their recording 
like three minutes into the conversation. So you're it's gonna jump in right away to Elvis talking about like where he grew up and then how it's how crazy it is that he's where he is. So um, you didn't like miss anything. It just they didn't miss the introduction like his when he walked on stage because we've been doing several of these. I have never seen an audience react that way before. They it was gave, like a rock concert. Yeah, they gave him a standing ovation before we even said anything. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were joking. We were like, well, it's all downhill from here, folks. I've never seen an audience react like that. Um, yeah, and we had a lot of fun with the audience. We took some selfies like with the whole audience afterwards. So if you go to at ProBookNerd, which is our Twitter or Instagram, you'll, you'll see those. Um, yeah, it was so much fun. We got to meet Uncle Johnny. We did. We did get to meet Uncle Johnny. Um, and... I was really into, he wanted pierogi. He did really want to, he got pierogies. He did. He got pierogies. Um, we recorded this the day before National Pierogi Day, and we were in Parma, Ohio. And if you've never been here, it's like pierogi capital of the world, yeah. basically. Um, so he was talking about it the whole time beforehand, and his assistant that, got, I saw him coming back. Is that what he had in the bag? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. There's actually, there's a there's a literal part at the end that I noticed while I was editing. Someone in the audience, because the microphone is so close to them, you can hear them go, yeah, there's a whole bunch of pierogi in there. And they're talking about the bag that the assistant is walking past with. So um, Elvis, on his flight back, <laughs> posted a picture on Instagram of his pierogi. And then the next morning of his show, he spent like 15 minutes talking about how lovely the, the library and the audience was, but like a solid part of it was about the pierogi so sure um gotta love those pierogi yep if you want to get a hold of us you can go to professionalbooknerds.com uh, you can find us again at, at probooknerds on twitter and instagram subscribe to us on itunes because i'm assuming there's going to be some new people listening to this that might not normally listen to our podcast so we do mondays and, and thursday episodes so subscribe and then they'll be in your phone all the time like magic like magic uh anything else you think people should know about I don't think so. I don't think so either. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this very special live edition of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Who am I? Like, I was a little kid in in McKinney, Texas, pretending to be a radio DJ. Uh, and now I'm in Parma <laughs> talking about my book. How the hell did this happen? You know? And I, I think it's, it's awesome to be able to study yourself, figure out where you're from, what makes you tick, and you know, maybe there's some things you can fix and, and do better. I, it's been such an amazing journey. I hope that answered your question, but I, I felt like I needed to write it down because I needed to get to know myself better. And I actually liked me. I never really not. I never really know that until I read my book. I'm okay. I mean, I'm an asshole sometimes. So we have two lives. It's not as good baby to be honest, I'm nervous as hell. This, I'm used to interviewing people and not being interviewed, so this this was very difficult. But it's time to sit down and write a book to talk about yourself. I want to talk about you because I I know me. We're not gonna let you flip it, Jesse. We're gonna keep it. We're gonna flip it. Yeah. As, so as someone who has to know so much about the music industry, and you're talking about news, and you're on the air, you know, four hours a day having these conversations, and 
Is it ever just get overwhelming trying to keep up with everything? Because we're, we're in the book world, and I feel like that's us in the book world. Like someone says, have you, you know, heard, have you read this book? And 99% of the time we have it, even though we know a lot of books. For you, you have to know every pop star, every song, everything. Does it get overwhelming? No. And, and no, I don't oh, know. <laughs> None of them are mine. I wish we could uh, do baby ratings. I would be really <laughs> You know what? No, it's not overwhelming for several reasons. Number one, I'm a news junkie. I love to read the news every day. I'm a pop culture junkie. Uh, I, I love to watch movies. I love to read magazines. But I'm also surrounded by 15 people who are fans of artists I'm not a fan of. So we're there for each other. This isn't me. This isn't my show that I do every morning. It's, it's, a, it's a collection of, of a family. I mean, we're a family. So, you know, if I'm the, the low tire that day, I know that there are three other, four other tires that are going to keep this on the road. So, no, it's not overwhelming at all. But I will tell you, the more you read, the more you you study the, the news, and the you, your brain gets fried. I mean, I'm fried. And I could be from drugs and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I just, it's, it's true, it's brain overload. So in your book, you talk about some of your favorite interviews and then some that maybe didn't go so well. Um, do you have any interviews that you've done that surprised you? Oh, yeah. You know what? I was interviewing uh, Ed Sheeran, and he brought his guitar in. I wanted to write this, I think. He brought his guitar in, and he was playing a song, and I just I started crying. It was weird. Uh, I got very emotional, and I realized, and I'm surprised, in answer to your question, I realized that this guy... Ed Sheeran, one of the most talented artists, I believe, of our time, was sitting in our studio, playing his guitar, singing to our listeners, our friends. It was just the most incredible gift this guy was giving us. And I'm like, who the hell am I to ask this guy to come in here and sing this song when he could be winning a Grammy right now, or he could be flying his private jet you know, to some island with some naked woman, you know, but he's with us. <laughs> And you know what, and that, it's, it's those little things in interviews, me crying and understanding how big that moment is, that surprises me every time. Because it's not just a, hey, how are you doing? What's your favorite song? It's, we're actually talking to people. Mm -hmm. And they're giving us this gift of music and answers to questions. I, I love it. What I do for a living is just unbelievable. The irony is not lost upon me. You said that about someone else while we're all sitting here and looking at you and being like, oh my god, Elvis Jansen. See, I, I can't buy into... I'm a radio person. I think I told this to you earlier. If I did a survey of uh, 500 people and said, hey, list the top 200 most important things in your life, I don't think radio would be on that, on that uh, answer sheet. I'll tell you why. We use, I, you use radio like toothpaste. Like it's, it's there for you every day. Uh, and we're not, I don't consider us celebrities. We interview celebrities, that's pretty cool. But uh, I just think we're different. We're there for you every day. We talk about our lives. We do things that celebrities don't do. Celebrities don't sit there and tell you everything about their gastric problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talk about farts. You know, I mean, I'm not going to hear, you know, super slick celebrities doing that. We're different. And I, I love that about what we do. But what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really a question. It was a I'm going to give you another question because I'm not going to like should you. I, I should have had that coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, so while going through the process of writing this book, because, you know, every single one of us gets up every day, and no matter what our job is, whether it's being on the radio, in, you know, in front of 
millions of people or seeing a computer run on the CU, every day can kind of blend together if you let it. So going back and looking at everything while you were putting this memoir together, were there some things that you recalled that maybe you had completely forgot about that you know, maybe excited you or you looked oh, back uh, at? I mean, all of it. I mean, I, I have no memory. You know, it, it, I was lucky enough to call my friends and, and I was like, hey, we were together for five years in San Antonio. What happened? Tell me. And my friends would open up and tell me these stories and, and it would jog my memory because I had an awful memory. But um, writing this book was important for me uh, because I, I had a couple of things, life lessons I learned in life, they're tough ones, like watching my mom and dad slowly pass away, um, the need for me to lose 200, close to 200 pounds because I was overweight and unhealthy. And I actually started looking at life so differently. And then I met someone I fell in love with for the first time in my life. I really fell in love with someone. And uh, I'm like, God, you know what? I do have some stories here. I need to write these down. And so I did it. Well, we talk about stuff on our show every day, but there's a collection of people, as I said. We're, we're, I'm getting different opinions from five, 10 different people. But this was my chance to just kind of lay it out there. It felt great. I think one of the reasons you connect so well with your listeners and of course you know, this huge audience of people who love you um, is that you appear to be very content with the life that you have. And I think you just sort of touched a little bit on that. Um, you know, you had this wildly successful career, but it was something you really were passionate about and sort of sounded like chased from when you were a little boy and wanted to be in radio. And I think that speaks a lot to like, you know, just teaching people to be happy with the success that they have, rather than constantly trying to chase the next thing. You know, I wrote about this, I touched on this. I have friends who are workaholics, and I, I say that with all due respect and, and actually admiration. There's Charlemagne the God, and there's Ryan Seacrest, and there's Bobby Bones, and these are people in our industry who have turned themselves into industries. I mean, they are constantly constantly in front of cameras, flying here, doing that. I don't want that life. That would not make me content. I have discovered that you don't have to work constantly to be happy, to feel successful. I feel successful when I do the dishes, if I do a, if I do a good job. Because I sit there and I do, does anyone like doing dishes? Am I doing dishes? <laughs> you do. I love, I, I buy myself, right? You just, Scrubbing your dishes. Before you know it, you have a pile of clean dishes. And, and I like cooking. And not because I like to eat it, but I just, you know, something I, I, didn't, I don't think you haven't even talked about this in the book. Maybe I did. There was a night I was watching the news, and they were covering uh, oh, an awful story out of France where a, a guy drove his truck down the, down the beach and killed all these people. Do you remember this story? It was, just a, it was a sad story. And maybe I'm. Messing up the details. No, you're right. But I was yeah, thinking right. about all the families affected by dozens of people who died. And I, I went into a dark place, and before I knew it, I had a knife in my hand and I was cutting a pepper. And I, my mind went back to that, 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 that town in, in France, and I was thinking about the families. I was thinking about how you know, their family member went out to enjoy the night. It's not going to come home. And then the next thing I know, I'm putting brown ground beef into the pepper and I'm making stuffed peppers. Don't even know how I got there. And I found that it was one of the most wonderful moments of my day being able just to be elsewhere. 
Well, and that's what we need to do. We need we need to be elsewhere sometimes and get out of our busy lives. Well, at the same time, though, I think you, know, you talk about doing that at your own home, but there's a part in the book, and if you guys haven't read it yet, you'll know what I'm talking about. You talk about 9/11, and there's a part where you you basically walk through how you guys experienced it, and I think exactly what you're saying about you know it kind of getting away from things. I think it's also important to have something like a radio show to be in the moment when there's things like that. You know, you talked about something in France that was just as simple as you had in that moment, but I think it's so important for people to be able to go to somewhere where they don't know an answer. And I think it's really important the way that you guys choose to approach those shows of just being honest and taking phone calls and having a moment on the show where you can actually say like, here's what's going on, let's process our feelings in real time. And I think that's something rare that you let everyone in your show do. You know what I love about our show is uh, relationships with with our friends who are listening. Uh, you could be in your car driving to a job you hate. So we'll give you 20 minutes of us talking about something stupid or something to make you think. You may be leaving to go to a job and happy because you're leaving a, an abusive relationship at home. You just can't get out of it. Or we, have the, we call it the chemo club. We have many listeners who are on the way to chemotherapy and they say, hey, I'm on my way to this awful day to save my life, but I love listening to you and being a part of it. I love that we're in the car with them to do that. But I will tell you, our most difficult days are the days after national disasters. Um, because again, I'm like, you know, we're on the air talking about you know, cheating online and gas problems and this and that. Who am I to go in tomorrow and talk about the school shooting that happened last night? Am I the authority here? You know what, those are the tough shows to do. And when I was walking to work, I walked to work uh, the morning after what happened in Parkland, Florida, at the high school. I almost turned around and went home. I'm like, here's another one of these days, you know. Who are we? What are we going to do that's going to move the meter and make people happy and change their lives? And I realized, you know what, we can do something good here. It's about teachers. The stories coming out of Parkland were some of these teachers who threw their bodies over their students. Or it, it, it trying to keep the students calm and it was about teachers and even though it, most of the news that day went toward gun control and went to all sorts of in, in different directions we talked about something really important we started raising money for teachers who need cash for their classes donorschoes.org my assistant Andrew said you got to do this this is the best idea ever so finding those positives out of such treacherous awful stories is what we need to do. I love that. So we have bad days too. I I think it's interesting because I think you know you sort of are asking yourself like who are we to be this person? Right. I think it speaks a lot to the connections you talk about between you and the audience. I don't even think you have to be the person. I think it's you sort of bring normalcy back because they listen to you every day. You're just like that one thing that they can come back to in the midst of everything that's happening. They know that you know you'll be there even if you're just listening. You know it's really, really weird. And there's a whole chapter about 9/11. Uh, it was the weirdest thing the morning someone actually laughed out loud because we hadn't laughed on our show for four days. Um, it was a tough time, you know. It was especially for us, all of us in New York and the whole world. It was. Just, What's going on with our world? And I remember someone said something, and someone in the background laughed. And we we're all like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> it was cool. It was cool that someone laughed. And I said, 
to everyone and said, you know, we need to laugh and make people feel like it's okay to laugh again. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be able to do that, like, who are we to do that? We're, look, it's, they gave us the keys to the car, we gotta try. <laughs> it, was, it was really a life-changing moment. Okay, so the opposite of that, with so many personalities and voices and things in the room. If you guys have never done this before, go on YouTube and watch videos of the show because it's hilarious. There's an amount, there's an amount of people in a small room sharing microphones that it's insane. So how do you... I don't even know half this people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, we call security? Yeah. so how do you, as the kind of captain of the ship, I suppose, how do you keep everyone wrangled in to the amount that you do? It's hard, uh, some days. Uh, like, come on, kittens, let's stay in a row. <laughs> but you know what? I know them all. They know me. And we actually can read each other's minds. It's kind of strange. And I know that if uh, it's getting too serious, like, I think this is it's getting serious. So now I'm thinking, this is, let's, let's say we're doing the show. We're having a serious conversation about me, 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 whatever. And I'm like, we need a laugh right here. What do I need to do? I know I can look at Danielle and say, blah, blah, blah. And she'll go, ah, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it wakes it up. So we can actually, it's pushing each other's buttons. Just like you do when you're sitting at, at, the, at the table with your friends. Yeah. You know you can like, razz someone a little bit, razz someone and get them all mad or happy and festive. And that's how we do it. And so we know each other very well. Yeah. And four or five of us have worked together for 20 years. 26 years, 25 years. One of them's last day was today. Yeah, great team. He's been with our show since he was a little little kid. But you know what? He wanted to go do something else. I'm like, well, then let's make that happen for you. You know? Who am I to say you can't go? We're gonna trap you here. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> there's nothing worse than feeling trapped. If you're in a job where you feel trapped, a relationship where you feel trapped, that's it, it's not good. So you know, let's get out of our traps. Is it true that when you start the show, you have no idea where it's going to go? Typically. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My mother used to say growing up in McKinney, Texas, if it crawls across the front yard, we're going to cook it and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I use that. And look, I don't, if I plan a show the night before, I'm in a certain mood that night. And then I wake up the next morning, and I'm not in that mood anymore. Yeah. I want to capture what's going on that morning. And what, what did you do last night? What's, what movie did you see? And the show just starts. Mm -hmm. It really is easy. And people try to figure out how they can do that on their morning shows. Mm -hmm. They can't. They have to plan. And I get that. But our way is no planning. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Right. Yeah. And you can kind of do that, but then we get to edit. And you're live. So it's a little bit easier for us. Um, okay, so current show aside, and none of them are here, so I'm not going to yell at us, which is okay. Uh, if you could create a dream show that wasn't your current show, which I know is a dream show, who would you have as your co-host? Like, if you pick anyone in the world. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we've had him on to co-host the show, and yeah. it's just funny as hell. Uh, Bobby Flay is a good friend of mine. He's great on the radio for some reason. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Uh, Tiffany Haddish. Uh, yes. She just showed up in a book signing the other night with Wendy Williams. And there was, what, what are you people doing? They came up on stage and said hi. It was great. And Wendy Williams, I love her. You know, not everyone loves Wendy, but that's why I love Wendy. She rubs it up the wrong way. Did they, they have pierogi? Oh, I'm not even pierogi. <laughs> no, no, they didn't have uh, Your show can sometimes come close to the R-rated line. Have you ever? Have you ever had a run-in with the FCC? Uh, no. Luckily. You know, here's the key about the FCC. They don't come looking for you, but if someone complains about you, they'll come looking for you. Um, 
Can I use the word? Can I use the word? Titties. I went on the air one day, and I, I, we were eating cheeseburgers the day before, and I said, oh my God, I'm, I'm getting so, I, I said, my big floppy titties are just, <laughs> could someone go get me a, a sports bra? So I was talking about men's breasts, right? So I get a call from corporate, uh, you can't use that word. I said, well, I was talking about mine. <laughs> and it's a man's, and it's, well, we don't, just don't think it's so they actually got a room full of attorneys. <laughs> High paid attorneys. And they sat around this boardroom in Washington, D.C., I think, and they debated the word titties <laughs> for hours. And I, don't you wish you would have been there? Well, Mr. Durant used the word titties, but it was about his. <laughs> Came back and said, as long as I'm talking about mine and your male titties. <laughs> 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 That's the weirdest version of Bob I've ever heard. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, we have one or two more, then we'll open up questions to the audience because I imagine you guys have a few. Uh, so I think a lot about uh, there's streaming channels all over the place you know, for television and movies and all these things. And one of the last kind of remaining like, live places is radio. And I know people can stream your show whenever they want, but I look at radio similar to live sports where you want to be there as it's happening. It's an event. Yeah, and I talk about, you know, like 9-11, that's the thing, like, being there in real time. But where do you see the future of radio? Well, I see my future in radio is staying as live as possible. And I know we have a lot of people who are going back and listening to uh, you know, stream, the streaming the best ofs of the show when we have one. When we have a good moment, um, I need that energy of being alive, and so I I do see a lot more people in the in, in the industry recording things and playing it like a podcast, basically. I don't want our show to be a podcast. I want it to be happening right now. I want you to know that when I'm speaking to you, we're there, unless we're obviously on vacation or whatever. Um, I see our business going in this wonderful direction because of social media. Because look, I got into this radio to connect with people, but it really was more of a one-way connection. I'm up here on the radio, blah, 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 and you're up there going, I wish I could tell him that I really hate what he just said, but I can't. <laughs> and now, boom, you can text us, boom, you can like, DM us, you can go on to, on uh, whatever, to Graham and send us your thoughts. <laughs> and it's, 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 a, it's a relationship. We're, we're in the friendship business is what we do. And, it's a live relationship, but I just never want that to go away. I think what you said is true. It, it's live, and it really is the only thing that is live. And there are live TV shows, but TV is a whole other world. I mean, they are structure. Read this. You have five seconds, three, two, and you're going to go to commercial. On our show, if we want to make a conversation longer, I just push a button, it turns the computers off, and we can talk for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have producers saying, you can't say this, you got to say this. It's we produce it live while we're doing it. We had Usher on the uh, on the air once, and arguably one of, my, one of the best artists ever, and he had just come out with this great album. And the interview just wasn't going that well. I didn't feel it. He was not in the mood to be there. Uh, I looked down at, this, at the text messages, and I saw people saying, get this guy off the air. How rude is he? Uh -huh. And I made that immediate programming decision right there because 
You told me to. You said, no. He can't talk to you like that. And I politely said, thank you, Usher. Have a nice day. And we ended the interview. That's what I love about radio. It's we're on. We're live. Like right now. All right, let's take some audience questions. So are you doing, doing the microphone or just kind of repeating? Um, okay. All right, so just put your hands as high as possible, and we will uh, be as loud as you can, and we'll kind of repeat. Be as high as possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right here in the middle. Yes. Oh, I would like to know, you, you, when people move on and you hire new people, you seem to get these amazing personalities together. Is, are there people above you that kind of um, try to steer you in a direction, or do you get that choice all to your own as a team? You know what? Uh, we are, I'll be honest, we are, we are given uh, research about our show, what works, what doesn't work. As a matter of fact, the person who's in charge of that is in this room. Uh, lady. <laughs> Hi, lady. Where are you? Lady. <laughs> you know, don't tell us. You know, if we're driving off the road with a show, they'll go, the audience will say, you need to be doing more of this or less of this. And that helps us make the decision. Do I have higher ups to tell me what to do? No way. Hey, let's not lie about this. No. Well, thank you. I, I would rather I would rather just make those decisions on our own. And we don't hear from the higher ups unless we've been very bad. And they usually just leave us alone. But thank you. I think we've got a, a remarkable team. Thank you. And the black cat. Of the, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. DJ looks like you get a better sense of what the person is like than you did way back when we were doing it. Just imagine. You know, every once in a while, back in the day before the internet was the internet, I, someone would go, God, you sound. Does he sound familiar? <laughs> and I would immediately go, No. <laughs> what do you do? I'm, I'm real estate. <laughs> radio, I'll be honest with you, radio is one step above a, a, a carnival, the guy who runs the Tilt-A-Whirl. <laughs> it's not the glamorous showbiz thing like TV, whatever. But once people got to see us, uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're, you got us, you got us. Oh, you made me think of something. Uh, those DJs that you talked about, Harry Harrison and Cousin Bruce, they're from New York, and they've been there for a thousand years. Everything changed when Howard Stern came onto the scene, for me anyway. He taught us uh, that honesty, just being yourself, is really what people want to hear. Uh, they want to hear you being authentic. And those DJs back in those days were sweet guys. They, hey, here's a song of the Beatles, you know, that voice that doesn't sound quite real. Um, and I, I love that we can actually be us. And Howard, I, every chance I get, I, I, I thank him even though I don't know him that well, but it's pretty cool. But I love that, that, that you've been listening to your radio for so many years. You, you, you saying that about saying, oh, I don't know who that person is. I had an idea will remain nameless because a lot of people here, but I saw a very famous author at the Cleveland uh, airport because I was going somewhere, and I walked up to him. I'm like, hey, are you so-and-so? Knowing full well he was that person. <laughs> and he's like, no, I have no idea who that is. Well, then why'd you ask? <laughs> 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 I said to him, I was 
click on my feed. I said, well, if you were that person, I'd tell you I really, really love your work. Oh, see, that's <laughs> and he goes, oh, well, thanks so much. And I was like, yeah, maybe it'll be a jerk. Like, I got it. It was like, but he, like, he just looked at me square in the eye. And he's like, I've never heard of that. Which was like a really big time author. Yeah. See, we talked about this earlier. You have an idol that you want to meet, don't meet them. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it they're never, ever exactly what you expected. Uh, corner? Yes. Hello. Oh my gosh. Um, What's, your <laughs> What's your name? Samantha. Hi, Samantha. Hi. Um, you know, I love my city. Cleveland is home. What made you choose us to come here? Actually, Cleveland chose us. Wow. Um, oh. Look, you know, Cleveland, and look, I'm a radio nerd from way back. Cleveland's always been a radio market. I mean, you've had some big time, oh, yeah. big time radio stations here and personalities who've, who've come out of Cleveland or stayed or whatever. Um, we wanted to syndicate our show out of New York. And then uh, the program director at KISS here said, well, we want your show. And of course, I'm like, what did they do? You know what we sound like? <laughs> and you know what? It was, it's this great marriage we have. You know, the ratings go up and down, but that's just radio, that's how it works. And we're so, we're so proud to be here. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a story. There was a guy who ran the board for our show here. His name was Josh. Mm -hmm. And Coaster he used to, boy. Josh, yeah, coach yeah. the boy Josh. <laughs> <laughs> He's at home, he didn't want to come with us because he's watching the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you want to get much time. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got eight time. We got eight No, I want to get you out of so you don't watch. <laughs> So Josh would, he would take the stupid crap we would say and he'd make a promo. This morning, did you miss the Elvis Duran show on Kiss? And they would play something stupid we said. And he was just great at that. And I called him and I said, I love those promos you're doing in Cleveland. Can I steal those and we'll play them on all of our stations? All of them, meaning at that time four, right? <laughs> and so he said, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, have you ever been to New York? He said, no. I said, well, come to New York. So I flew Josh and a friend of his to New York for the weekend, and he fell in love with New York. And he said, I want to live here. He said, I want to live in New York. So we hired Josh in New York. I said, well, the, the, but I need for you to do something for me. I need to see Cleveland through your eyes. You were born and raised there, because Cleveland is a very important member of our family uh, for many reasons. So he, he and I would, I would come to Cleveland with him a lot. And we go to the museums, we you know, we go see the stupid Christmas story house, get <laughs> some great food. And I fell in love with this city. And if ever, if ever I hear anyone say anything shitty about the city, I will no. I'll say that you don't understand the people. And uh, because it really is about people. <laughs> I guess I could have just said that and moved on, but I wanted to talk about it. Uh, over there in the corner, yeah, right there, yeah. Yes. Hello. I had to lose weight. I hadn't seen my penis in... <laughs> and now, I mean, I look at it every day. <laughs> I... There's actually a story in here that Dr. Oz came onto the show and was taking everyone's blood pressure in. He didn't give me mine out loud, and we went to a break, and he said, and this is Dr. Ross. You know, he talks really fast. He's like, <laughs> he said, Elvis, i got to get you in a cab right now. I said, where are we going? He said, to the hospital. I said, what do you mean? He said, your blood pressure. He said, Let me take it again. He took it again, and he went, oh, it's worse than the first time. <laughs> and I said, it's got to go higher because you're talking to me. Right. But I'm like, <laughs> he said, you 
you need to go to the hospital. Something's wrong with you. He said, you're grossly overweight, but he said, overweight people don't even have this problem like you. So that was step one. And then I said, what's the fastest way to fix this? Because I've been dieting, it's not working. Gastric sleeve <clears throat> procedure. Well, they basically just take out three quarters of your stomach. <laughs> what a brilliant idea. <laughs> It was not the easy way out. Way out. There were a lot of needles, a lot of blood, and it was it was rough to learn how to eat again. Lost 140 whatever pounds, and it was the best decision I ever made in my life. And the cool thing is, that a lot of celebrities in Hollywood have done it, but they just say they you know jogged <laughs> and they went on a diet. We know who has done it. My question is, why don't they want to tell other people about how they did it? I think it's cool to share the story with people. We've had a lot of our listeners do it, and they're experiencing better lives and great results. And then, of course, after that was done, I had this turkey thing on my neck, so I was like, wait, I found me a nice Jewish plastic surgeon. <laughs> and this pulled back, I don't care. I don't, I don't talk about anything. It's been a great journey, and I feel fantastic. A couple more? Way up the middle, <coughs> up in the blue. Yeah. Yes. You talked about Bobby Bones and Seacrest and how they're on the go all the time. And if you get into radio, you have to say yes to everything to ultimately get to a good spot. What was the point where you realized, I have enough, I don't need to be All the power of the word no. <laughs> you know what? I, I do TV here and there, but just as a hobby, because it gives me a story to tell on the air on the radio show. I would look at a 55-year-old guy. I'm, yeah, I want them to give me a show on TV. That's not going to happen. Let's be real. I do that to have fun. Uh, I can't see how I could do radio and that and have a moment to myself. I love my private time. I like to go home and pet the dog, wash dishes, whatever. And I realized I have enough. And that was maybe 15, 10, 10 years ago. About 10 years ago. That's when things started heating up and people wanted me to do this and do that. Saying no to that stuff is just fantastic. I want my private time. I don't want to be on TV. I don't, because when you're on TV, you're working for like layers and layers and layers of people who all have an opinion. They make you feel like crap. I work for one guy and he leaves me alone. <laughs> I've got a great life. And I, I love telling that story because everyone can do that. You do have the power of the word no. I, I, look, I don't have kids. I, I, I've got to, you know, I, I could basically live anywhere in the world, I guess, and do whatever I wanted if I could, you know, find a way to do it and make a living. I know that it's not that easy for everyone, but there are things you can do in your life where you make your decisions and you can say no to people who want you to do something you don't want to do. Go out when you really want to stay at home. The power of no is the most powerful thing in the world. I hope I answered your question. I know I'm kind of all over the road. I'm not the best man. <laughs> Uh, the yellow right here? Yes. Hi, yellow. <laughs> you just looked down at your own shirt to see what color it was. Wait, am I yellow? <laughs> I do that all the time, Joe. It's a negative show. Hey, you with the zipper down. <laughs> Hi. God, you know what? I, I wish I could answer that. They're, they're all great. You know, I, I know that's, a, that's not the answer you're looking for. <laughs> there is a list of memes of them. <laughs> but they're all you know and the cool thing about interviewing celebrities or any artist or anyone who's just on the phone on the way to work is you get to know this person beyond what you already know about them. look if, if Lady Gaga walks through the door I know she's Lady Gaga I know that she's been in relationships with Del Toilet I know that she's done a great movie I know she's at this music huh? 
I want to talk to Lady Gaga about Stephanie, the little girl who grew up listening to our show, wanting to hear her music on our show, and then here she is on our show. And we're like, whoa, wow, it's Lady Gaga, you still listen to her show. And I fall in love with these people who just so happen to be brilliant artists. It really is a, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. It is. And Uncle Johnny, my favorite celebrity. <laughs> Well, yeah. Uh, before they come in, their people will say, don't want to go down that road. And my answer to that is typically, well, I wasn't planning on going down that road. Because I don't like doing an interview where I make people feel uncomfortable. If you're out there uh, cheating on your wife and, they, and they, they got pictures of you doing it and you're coming into my show, I'm not going to talk about it. Because chances are people have already seen it. Why do I want to beat that dead horse? Secondly, I want you to come back to my show. So we don't set people up in interviews to embarrass them. And now the people know that we don't do that. But every once in a while, they'll come in and say, okay, she's putting an album out, but she doesn't want to talk about the album. Well, I'll tell them not to come in. I mean, it's <laughs> no offense. But I, I, would you like to be told like, what you can and cannot ask someone? Nah. Yeah. But if it's personal stuff, we're not going to go there. A lot of work, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm asked a lot. But I, I, it's like, are you ever going to do a podcast? I'm going to get to that. I promise you. I'm gonna, like, I got to that book. I wrote that. Well, I, I don't even know what I would do. I got to be honest. I, I'm totally perplexed. Like, what podcast would I do? I mean, the people we have doing them are really good at them. Like, I don't know what I would do. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to have to do a podcast. If you need someone, if you need two people to ask you questions every day. <laughs> <laughs> there are pierogies like in it. You don't like to establish quite the rapport. Yeah. You yeah. have a podcast. That's all right. It's all right. We can have time. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, we're I'm, professionals. Okay, yeah. you do. Yeah, thank you. Open me up like a can of tuna. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, let's see one more. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep <laughs> I just want to say, I, I think one of the big takeaways that I always get from listening to you have these conversations, I think the reason why you've been so successful and why people care so much about what you do is because you create these moments where it makes it feel like you're in a room with just you and whoever you're sitting with. And I think one of the cool things about tonight is we got to have one of those moments where it was just you and a bunch of your new best friends. Um, so first off, thank you for coming. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? 
did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.